Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. Hello, and welcome back to Revolution Podcast. Uh, we are here sitting in chairs at a table across from each other with two microphones, a mm. lap- two laptops, two Bibles. Um, and two minds that are mostly prepared to discuss. Um, A big question Mm -hmm. that we've got up today, we are asking, why should I pray if God is in control? Um, But before we jump right into the question, um, Quinn looks terrified. He thinks I'm going to ask him a weird warm-up question. I didn't even have one ready, though. Quinn, what is the worst question I could ask you right now as an introduction to our episode? Honestly, like what, what are you so, so terrified of? I'm just afraid of any question you're going to ask me at this point. Any of them? Quinn, would you align more with a premillennial, postmillennial, or amillennial view of the eschaton? I mean, seen as I'm a Gen Z, mm-hmm. none. No. I don't oh. know. I don't know what any of those mean. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I just know millennial. What's the what's do you know? Oh, millennial. Mm-hmm. I see. We're talking about two different things right now. We totally and are. That is okay. Um, okay. Why? Wh- should I... Which would you align with? Oh, premillennial. Okay. <laughs> Historically, historic, historic premillennial, not dispensationalist, because I'm not weird. That's a jo- for any. Dis- I'm joking. The dispensationalist. Chase, how many people do you think are actually going to get that joke? I know dispensationalists who oh. listen to our podcast. Okay. Who would be offended at a dispensationalist joke? I. But I make dispensationalist jokes, so we're going to just have to roll with it. Um, (laughs) Israel (laughs) uh, is the church. Well, okay, hold up. We're going to keep going. Yeah, let's keep going. You lost Why should I pray if God is in control? Um, Quinn, why, why, like, I'm sure anybody, if, I'm sure people who've clicked on this episode, uh, they know, um, they've asked this question or they know why it's relevant. Um, but I, I, I would like to read just a passage from the Gospel of Matthew to you, and then we can maybe see why this, uh, even like even the Bible seems to make this uh, question quite natural. So in Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus is teaching on prayer. Uh, and I'll just give you the short version in verse 6. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The natural question is, if he knows what we need before we ask him, why are we asking him for things? Why is that necessary? I mean, and the reason that's a very natural question is because if I have a dear friend or like a child, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I know that this is what they want. And not even that. Um, the, it's not, Jesus doesn't say he knows what you want. He says he knows what you need before you ask him. If I know that my kid needs something, I'm just going to get it for him, right? I'm just going to give it to him. I'm, I'm not going to like just wait for him to come to me. If if he's really, really hungry or if he is in desperate need of water or if, or if he needs any number of things that he might need, um, as a good father, we think, well, you're just going to give it to them, right? You're not going to make your kid ask for it. So, you know, um, and then on a wider scale, we know that God is perfectly in control. Not only that he knows what we need, but he is fully able to give us what we need. So why should we pray asking God for things or asking God to do things if he's in control and already knows what we need? That's kind of the question we're wrestling with today. 
Okay. Preliminary thoughts. What What are you thinking? Is this a question you thought about? Is this something you like? You're like, oh, easy answer. Is this like I'm kind of wrestling with this too? Where do you sit in your relationship with God in your soul in regards to this question? Yeah, there's not like a very personal level, like not trying to. Yeah, just just kind of like spitballing that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I I haven't necessarily. Mm, maybe I've wrestled with it, but not like. Ex- like to a deep, to my deep core. The way you would with incarnational sonship. Obviously. Right. I get it. Um, but no, I, I guess I've, and, and this, this question makes me think, and I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to piece it together. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I've, I've always known that I need to pray, that mm. it's necessary to pray. And that the answer's always been, why do you pray? It's to grow in a relationship with God. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and, and so I'm just thinking off the top of my head and I, I could be wrong. Sure. Um, but, but I see it as, God knows us fully. He knows who we are. And if he wants that relationship, his goal is so that we know him as much as possible. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so you're saying that um, God doesn't need us to pray in order to know what we need. He desires for us to pray uh, because in conversing with him, that's how we grow in relationship with him. And that's what he wants more mm-hmm. than anything is, that is for us to grow in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. Um, so you, that would, that would be kind of like, if, if you were to sketch an answer to this question, why should I pray if God is in control? You'd say, well, it's not actually about getting what you need from God, right? Like prayer is primarily about growing in relationship with him. You, you'd, you try to shift people's focus towards that more than anything else. Nice. Okay. I like that. Um, what would you say about, I, I wish I'd written down a few references, but the, the command we seem to find in the Bible to intercede for people, um, or I, I'm just going to see if I've written this down somewhere. Oh, so here, here we go. So let, let's take Ephesians 6, for example. Oh, we we have a, an episode. Oh, I, let me see. We're again, sorry, everybody. We're recording a bunch of these early. So I'm just trying to remember our schedule right now. Um, I think a few weeks from when this episode is released, we have an episode coming out on uh, spiritual warfare mm-hmm. where we're going to where we're gonna dissect Ephesians 6 uh, pretty in depth. And at the end of that passage, that's the armor of God passage, for those of you who don't know, and Paul makes it explicit at the beginning that he is talking about ways to guard and fight against spiritual forces. And then at the end of that passage, um, he this is kind of how he ends it. He says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Uh, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So what that implies to me reading that is that, um, us praying has a direct effect on spiritual warfare. It has a direct effect on um, the safety um, of our fellow Christians, right? When Paul uses saints, he's talking about the church. Mm-hmm. And so he says, keep alert with all, per- like, keep alert. Why would you keep alert? Because there's an- there's enemies nearby, right? He's, he's referring back to his theme of spiritual warfare. Um, so he says, with all prayer and supplication, keep alert with perseverance. So he's saying not only like, keep alert, but he says to do that continually, persevere in your alertness. And he says, making supplication for all the saints. Why? He says, he starts that sense by saying to that end, to which end? To protect against spiritual darkness and forces. So Paul seems to be saying that our prayers to God um, can directly affect the uh, 
spiritual health and safety of ourselves and our fellow believers. Um, I would agree with you in that prayer is massively part of a massively focused towards relationship with God. Um, but what about those cases where it isn't just about that? What about those cases where Paul says, actually, the focus of this prayer is um, spiritual safety, spiritual protection, not just for yourself, but for the church. Um, do, do you have any thoughts around um, why why should we pray? And though, if God cares about us, if he cares about his people, um, and we're being attacked by these spiritual forces, and he knows that, and he knows that we need his protection, and he's perfectly in control, why would he need us or want us to pray in those circumstances? Why not just give us the protection? Why should we pray for spiritual perseverance if God is already in control? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does. It does. It's it's tricky, isn't it? It it's is. It's hard. Yeah, I know. Um, Ephesians, like that one is like kind of like, whoa, that, that makes me go, interesting. Yeah, and I, hmm. Yeah, I... Let me enter one more into this. Oh, okay. Paul says in Philippians 4, um, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, this is related maybe to the, the point from Ephesians as well. But in Philippians, he seems to be making the point that um, with your anxieties, these things that you're worried about, if you let those things be made known to God, the peace of God will guard, and that, that he uses the word guard, it's a very active thing that needs to take place. Um, so he says, with your anxieties, with these requests that you have, let them be made known to God, and then, then God's peace will come and protect you. But if God knows we're anxious, if he already knows what we need before we ask him, why should I pray if God is in control um, about my anxieties, about these things I'm worried about? Why can't God, why, like, as a, like, I thought peace was one of the fruits of the Spirit. Why, why can't that just be there in my life? Why can't God just give me that peace to guard me? Why should I pray about my anxieties to God if God already knows them and God's in control? These are maybe the more personal questions people are wrestling with. Why should I pray for protection if God is already in control? Um, why should I pray for about my anxieties if God is already in control? And I don't think it comes from a place of, I just don't want to pray. Although maybe I shouldn't say that. I think that's part of it. But I don't think it's primarily like, oh, I don't want to pray. It's, it's maybe more concern and agony over, do my prayers make a difference, right? Um, maybe that's more the um, agony that people can feel over this question. Like, why should I pray if God is in control? Could maybe be rephrased more clearly, do my prayers make any difference if God is in control? Mm -hmm. Do my prayers about my, if God already knows what I need and he's capable of giving it to me, do my prayers about my anxiety actually do anything? Do my prayers for spiritual protection, if God's going to give it to me anyways, and God already knows the future and got all this stuff, God's in control, do my prayers make any difference? Um, maybe that's the question uh, people are wrestling. And it's, it's kind of under that question of, um, why should I pray if God is in control? But those are maybe uh, the more personal things people are wrestling with in that. Have you experienced uh, anything like, like you know, do my prayers over um, my unbelieving 
family member? Do they make any difference? God's already in control. Why should I pray if he's in control? Do my prayers over my brother's anxiety? Like God already knows it's there. He could heal it if he wants to. Like, do, why should I pray if God is in control? Like poverty, world hunger, these children who are dying every day. I'm praying for it, but God already knows about that and he's in control. Why should I pray if God is in control? Mm-hmm. Maybe those are the dimensions people will take this question to. So again, maybe I'll turn this over to you just, just for like a personal reflection for yourself. Do you, have you seen people struggle with this? Have you struggled with this? What are your thoughts just kind of maybe wrapping around the more personal dimensions of this question? Kind of, kind of where's your head at with that? Yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that whole thing right there. Um, and I, I had a thought. I, I had something. No. And then I and then I lost it. Like I was kinda thoughts were coming through my head while yeah. you were talking and I forgot to write it down. That's why I have a pencil with me so I can mm. jot stuff down okay. whenever I need to. What about you? What what are the thoughts as, as you were kind of going through that? What were you what were you thinking? What was your what's what's an answer that you got there? Yeah. Um I think with biblical things, misunderstanding and confusion and misapplication most commonly come when we don't actually understand what we're talking about. Um, Yeah, break that down for me. Yeah, so just as an example, like with the doctrine of hell, for example, right? Um, Like it can seem scary, confusing. Why on earth would God send people to hell? This makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, And I think... I think once you understand the doctrine of hell fully as in relation to God's wrath, in relation to sin, right? Like once you fully understand the doctrine of hell, it's not that um, those questions aren't uh, something you can empathize with, um, but in fully understanding what the Bible has to say about hell, it suddenly becomes, oh, I see. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. I understand. Um, And so I think a similar thing can happen with prayer where we ask, why should I pray? Why should I pray if God is in control? Um, Do my prayers have any effects? Um, If God, oh, here's one. If God listens to my prayer, does that mean God just like, just changes mind? Or um, does that mean the future isn't like, does God, if God knows the future, does that mean he's controlling the future? Or does he kind of just like see the future as something that's out of, like, there's a lot that comes into a question Um, around prayer like this. Uh, A lot of it boils down to, like you said, Quinn, our relationship with God. Um, That's a huge part of it, which means we're going to have to get into um, uh, our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, um, because he massively plays into uh, this thing of prayer. Mm -hmm. It also has some implications around the doctrine of God's sovereignty, right? Um, Which is essentially the idea of how much control does God have over everything? Um, is God 100% in control? Is he 90% in control? Is he 50% in control? Like, like what, like, and how do our choices play into that? Are we free to make any choice we want? But does then, does that mean that the future isn't in God's control because we can just do whatever we want? There, there's a lot that plays into this, right? So I, I think the best thing to do is to, and and we'll try to i think we'll try to do this as much as we can is to be empathizing right to just understand people's heart in questions like this mm-hmm. um i think it's important to be biblical uh and not to let our own thoughts and feelings 
necessary. And I know that that's why I started by saying we should be empathizing, right? I, I'm not saying you should disregard people's feelings or your own feelings in trying to answer difficult questions like this. But I am saying that sometimes my, I've known this, my feelings don't align with what the Bible says. And so I can choose to just stand on how I feel and live by that, but then I'd be living falsely. So I choose to try to conform my feelings to the Bible instead. Um, That's why we need a renewed heart. Um, So we need to be empathizing towards uh, understanding the heart of people in in asking questions like this. We need to be biblical in seeking answers to questions like this and we need to be thorough uh because these are hard complex questions and so we're kind of silly i think if we expect easy simple answers to hard complex questions generally complex questions will have complex answers as well so why should i pray if god is in control I think we can start from a place of, you, you've got a quote that you read to me right before we started recording oh, yeah. here, Quinn. Uh, it's on the immutability of God. Or in other words, um, God doesn't, like, God doesn't change, right? Like, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does that mean that God, like, like if God doesn't change, then why one minute would he not do something? And then after I pray, he then do it. Doesn't that mean God changes? I thought God doesn't change. So what's happening here? Do you want to read that first quote that you read to me? Yeah. It says, Our prayers do not change God's will or challenge his control, but they draw us into a loving fellowship with him in his wonderful government of the world. Right. So uh, that quote to me says, our, our, <laughs> This is such tricky ground. I don't, I, I guess I, I can just, I can say very, very easily and openly that I don't have like solid answers a hundred percent on a lot of stuff like this. I do have a lot of thoughts in different categories and then I just try to meld them together into something Mm -hmm. that fits um, everything I've read from the Bible. That quote to me seems to say that our prayers have no effect on the will of God, Um, but rather our prayers are primarily about drawing us into relationship with him. I agree that our prayers are predominantly about drawing us into a relationship with him. I disagree that they have no effect on his will. Um, and so you might, you might go, well, are, am I saying that God changes his mind? Um, not necessarily. There's a passage in Genesis that I'll flip to um, where Abraham is, inter- God, God said he's going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, and Abraham's uh was he cousin or nephew? Anyway, Abraham's relative Lot is living there. And Abraham is like, well, I don't want him to die and I don't want the city to be destroyed. So he, he talks to God. Um, and Abraham is essentially like, if there's this many, like what, like 50 um, righteous men within the, the wickedness of the city, will you spare it? And God says, um, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And he goes on and on, uh, kind of trying to narrow down that number. God does end up destroying the city um, simply because um, there weren't whatever number they got to. I think it was like five or three or something like that. Uh, Whatever number they got to, like if there's this many righteous men, I'm not going to destroy the city. Um, There wasn't that number. However, I don't think it's in the character of God to just be playing games with Abraham, right? Like saying, well, okay, yeah, if there's 50 men, I won't destroy the city. Um, And doing that in a... um, 
sort of like sadistic way of like, I know something you don't, there isn't this many men, so it doesn't matter, this conversation. I think like genuinely, um, Abraham was bargaining with God. Um, and then you see passages in the gospels of Jesus praying to the Father um, mm -hmm. uh, and affecting change with that, of the apostles praying and affecting change with that. So we see that prayer clearly does something more than just increase our relationship with God. Clearly prayer can affect God's will. I don't think it changes his will. Um, I, th I think we can clarify by saying that God reacts differently to different situations, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's not that your prayers are necessarily changing God's mind, right? It's not like you pray like, God, heal this person, heal this person, heal this person. Then he goes, you know, I didn't really want to heal this person, but I suppose I will. Jonah and Nineveh, there's a perfect example. Uh, the city of Nineveh, God was going to destroy them. He sent Jonah to tell them that he was going to destroy Nineveh. All the people start praying, and then God says, I will not destroy them. Did God just change his mind? No, he, he's reacting to a different situation. And before the situation was, this city is wicked, they're unrepentant, they hate me, so I, they, they deserve my wrath, and so I will destroy them. Then the situation became, they are praying to me, they are repentant, they are making supplication, I will have mercy on them. And so let's make this super practical into our lives. Um, let's say I, let's take the example from Philippians. I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety severely. Um, I, I've got all these worries. I, all, all this sort of stuff. And I haven't prayed about it. Um, it's not that I can try to, you know, change God's mind necessarily, but I think the Bible makes it like Jesus says, ask, um, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. Why should the door be opened unless somebody first knocks on it, right? Unless, unless it is clear that you want to go through the door. Why should something be given to you unless you ask for it first and make it clear that you would like it? Um, I think prayer, yes, is part of our relationship with God and it increases that. I, I'm circling around a lot of stuff. I don't like how much I'm talking right now. No, you're good. Um, but I, I, th I think just I, th I think this is a good place to start because um, why should I pray if God is in control? Um, because God, I, maybe we can sum it up like this: because God says that He will answer prayer. Because God says that um, your prayer has power in and of itself. Um, Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. Jo uh, sorry, the city of Nineveh prayed for its incoming destruction. The apostles prayed for healing and those things were answered. So I, I will affirm God's sovereignty. I will affirm that God is completely in control. And I will also affirm that we were, we've been told by God to pray because our prayers make a difference. And so I think you can hold both of those things. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's difficult to reconcile them perfectly, I think it's okay to hold both of those things. So I think we can start the answer by saying, why should I pray if God is in control? Because he told us that our prayers have power. Um, just as like, when Jesus said, um, for your father knows what you need before you ask him, he wasn't using that in the way of, so you don't need to talk to him. Um, the immediate context is the Gentiles, these pagans, they like, imagine, um, think of 
uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel, right? All the, all the priests and prophets of Baal cutting themselves, singing all day long, trying to summon their God. The, the, I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he said that these pagan rituals, which do nothing. Jesus's prayers were simple. Um, and then he actually, like immediately he says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus is not saying your father knows what you need before him, ask him. Therefore, you don't need to ask him. He's saying it in a sense of be comforted you all you need to do is talk and he hears anything you say god hears and so we don't need to be frenzied or worried that we need to make the show for god to take notice of us so i think that this a lot where this question stems from like god knows what i need that's a comforting thing and we've twisted it to become a challenging thing what would you think about that yeah i i think definitely i i would definitely agree with you on that and i think also as you get to pray some of those prayers um you also get to walk out in faith. I think I think part of that prayer is walking out in faith and and being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you in this prayer and I I'm praying this prayer because I love you, God, and I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know that what I say, um, even if it doesn't, it won't necessarily maybe change God's mind, but it will grow your relationship through time. Yes, yes, that um, might have been a very odd way to no, go. No, 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 no. That's good. I, I, this, and this is, and this is something I, I, like, this is something I'm personally wrestling through right now is I want to affirm that yes, prayer grows our relationship with God. That's a huge part of it. Um, I, I'm just, I'm so used to just formulating in my head be, because like, we all know that we don't get what we ask all the time in prayer, right? That's what, that's 100%. what makes it confusing when Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Um, seeking you will find knocking the door will be open it's like no that that doesn't always happen um in and so it's like we, we need to we need to find a way for ourselves to try to reconcile jesus's teaching to our experiences i desperately want to avoid changing what the bible says to fit what i what i think mm-hmm. right so I guess with that, then what what would you say you think this, this, and so on a the, personal yeah, level? Yeah, so that's why that this is the thing I'm wrestling through. Of, um, I believe God is perfectly in control, perfectly, um, and we we can get in God's sovereignty another time. I, I believe that, and then I also believe that it makes a very big difference whether I pray or not, and. I believe that sometimes I pray for things that I don't receive. I ask for things that don't come to pass. And yet I also, the Bible compels me to believe that if I ask, I will receive. And that if I seek, I will find. And if I knock, the door will be opened. So it's a very personal, like, that, that, like, that, uh, that seems to be wrong. Right? That, that seem, Jesus mm-hmm. seems to be incorrect when he says that, because I ask for a lot of things that I don't get. So what on earth is happening? Um, I like, and I think that can send people into a lot of doubt. Uh, either like there's a few, like the Jesus is wrong. That seems preposterous, um, but it seems out there. Maybe I'm praying wrong. Then we turn to passages like to each according to their measure of faith, will it be given? And I'm like, 
I just don't have enough faith. Um, so do I just need to be more certain in my prayers? Do I just need to really believe that it's going to happen? Um, and then you get into a lot of Pentecostal theology where it's like, if you fully believe what you say, you can speak it into existence and it's going to be there. You can say, you, you can look at a sick person and say, you are healed. Um, and there is so much hurt and disappointment that comes from that because that isn't true, right? Like you see, um, Certain Pentecostal churches and practitioners of Pentecostal theology whip themselves into these emotional frenzies, very much like the Gentiles Jesus is warning against. They whip themselves into these frenzies, and they're all like screaming and clapping and praying and apparently speaking in tongues, um, and, and then nothing happens. And it's like, I thought I had all this faith. And so then that, you know, this again, and this is why this is such a huge discussion, because like, well, maybe you, maybe faith isn't what you think it is. Um, but again, this comes back to reconciling. I ask for things that I don't receive. Um, so why? So then, it, then, so then, I think ultimately, what happens for a lot of people in wrestling with that is that they just give it up, and they're like, "Oh, I'm just not like I. I'm not going to pray. There's mm -hmm. no point." And then that comes back to our big question: Why should I pray if God is in control? Because um, there, there's a standard Christian answers, right? Of like, well, you know you always get an answer, right? You can ask for stuff, but sometimes God will say no, or sometimes he'll say not right now, or sometimes he'll say yes, right? You're going to get an answer. Um, but Jesus doesn't say, ask and you will receive an answer. He says, ask and you will receive. He doesn't mm -hmm. say, knock and you'll get an answer. He says, knock and the door will be open. He doesn't say, seek and um, you might find, or you might find something different. He says, seek and you will find. So I'm like, uh, I think I think those those are true things that people say. Sometimes God does answer with yes or no, or um, hear something else, or maybe later, or very normal answers. But I don't think that's the, the teaching from those passages. What is the teaching then? The, the teaching is asking you will receive. Okay. Anything like, and it's all through the Bible, like anything you ask will be given to you. Um, but the, the, where I think a lot of the struggle comes from is that that doesn't match up with our experience of our reality in our lives. We ask for people to be healed and they're not. We ask uh, for protection for loved ones and they pass away. We ask for um, increasing faith so that we can live better for God and we still struggle with the same doubts year after year after year. So it appears to be wrong. There's a passage in 1 John 5, Quinn. Um, you know the one I'm thinking of? Yeah. Do you want to open to it for us? Because I think it sheds light a lot on this conversation. Okay. 1 John 5, 14. It says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Say that again. There's a there's a clarification. If we ask anything, and then he says a very he adds something in there. According to his will, he hears us. So if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, if we seek according to his will, if we knock according to his will. I think we, we can look at the teachings of Jesus asking you will receive, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be opened. And that teaching on prayer, the things we're asking for, they should be aligned with God's will. Go ahead. But he says he hears us. Yeah. 
it, would you say that's different than he answers us in the way we want to? I think John, I think John means the same thing. Okay. I think, I think John means in, in the hearing, God, God gives that. That's why he says, this is the confidence of our hearts. Okay. Just, um, just want to clear that up because it sure. could seem then that those two contradict themselves. Oh, sure. They can seem different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. I think, I think John's, um, I think the Holy Spirit inspired him to, to add that teaching. If we ask, because, you know, if you were like, well, I pray, I, I, Jesus, I ask that this person is going to die as an extreme example, probably not going to come to pass, right? Right. But that's because that's not according to the will of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but in James, for example, we're told to pray for wisdom and it will be given to us. Um, and and then let's go back to the passages we quoted in Ephesians, where we are told specifically to pray at all times in the spirit, to keep alert, making supplication for all the saints for protection and battle against spiritual forces. And so I th- we can confidently pray in those things because we because God's told us that's his will. He's told us that's what he wants us to pray for. And so I think a lot of the confusion around prayer is because we don't actually know God and desire the th- same things he does. Um, and, and this is, I, I should also say, this is a specific type of prayer, right? There's the prayer of just telling God things. There's the prayer of thanksgiving, thanking mm-hmm. him for things. And then there's prayers of supplication, asking him for things. I think generally this question, why should I pray if God is in control, comes from asking God things, right? Because um, all those other things is, yeah, it's an it's, it's your relationship with God that compels you. But I, I, I think we can tie it all, it actually ties together quite well because we're told to pray within the will of God. What does that mean? How do we know what the will of God is? We've done an episode on this. Should have come out a little while ago. Yeah. Um, how do I know God's will for my life? We get into a bit of the concepts around what is God's will, all that sort of stuff. Long story short, the Bible. The Bible is the will God has revealed to us. But then there's this passage in um, 1 Thessalonians 5. 16 to 18 says rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you that i mean (laughs) we you could get a whole sermon series just out of those two verses um i'll just read again rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in Christ Jesus for you. There's a lot we can learn from this. One, this, these things Paul has listed, that's God's will for us. But then he says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What does that mean? It means that that is God's will for us now that we are in Christ Jesus, because we are in Christ Jesus. This is God's will that we can accomplish because we are in Christ Jesus, because Jesus has redeemed and saved us, because he has, um, and we'll get into this just now. This is where, this is the very, very exciting part of the episode because everything ties together. Um, because we are in Jesus, we can accomplish and do these things. These things are natural to us. Okay, so what is the will of God? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, giving thanks, um, th- this thanksgiving, that's a part of prayer, okay? And then the, the second command, pray without ceasing. Well, I thought we were supposed to pray within the will of God. So how can we pray within the will of God to pray? Uh, then that's just kind of a circular thing, right? Okay, yeah. 
And so I, but I think these passages in connection ask um, according to his will um, and then saying, pray without ceasing. This is the will of God. It's like, okay, so, so we know that God's will is for us to pray. Um, and we know we're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances. This is all good. But th- those are like, that's giving thanks in all circumstances is a part of prayer, you could say. Um, so then what is the command that's left to us that this is according to the will of God that we're supposed to pray within. Rejoice always. That's the one that's left over. Rejoice always. What does that mean? What does rejoicing mean? It means to be joyful. It means to feel joy. So we're, am I saying, is this passage to, to be joyful always. That's the will of God that we're supposed to, that the very broad definition of the will of God for mm-hmm. us. But I think that's the best broad definition for the will of God for us. Like, yeah. I think you could take all the commands of the Bible, all the plans God has for his redeemed people, and you could sum it up by saying they will be joyful. And, but, but this is what, this is what he says, be joyful in Christ Jesus. It is to rejoice always in Christ Jesus. That's the will of God for you. So what does it mean to do that, to, to rejoice always? And, and there's a lot that goes into this. And I'll try to sum it up because I know we're close to the end here. But I, I think it comes down to to rejoice in Christ Jesus means to be fundamentally different than how you were born. Because Romans tells us that all people were born hating God. And so to rejoice always in Christ Jesus, you're joyful when your deepest desires are met. Yeah. Right. Like when the things you desire and long for and strive for and thirst and hunger for, when those things are met, that makes you joyful. When you long for a companion and you get married, you're joyful. Um, when you're a little kid and you wait all year for Christmas and then it comes, you're joyful. Um, that's where joy springs from your deepest desire being met. And so to rejoice always in Christ Jesus, to, re- to be joyful in Jesus means that Jesus fulfills your deepest desires. Jesus in John 4, 34, it says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In other words, my food, this this thing that satisfies and sustains me is to do mm-hmm. God's will. Yeah. Um, this all points towards the idea that prayer if 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 we're saying the best way to sum up the commands of the like the theme of the commands of the bible is uh, in god's will for us is that we should be joyful in him then prayer fits into that because it's god's will for us that we should pray and so that means so what is prayer in that sense then prayer is to ask according to the will of god as a, as a believer, as somebody who's been given a new heart, as somebody who the Spirit is working in to produce good fruits, anything that comes from that part of you, the, the part that God is sanctifying, um, the, what, the primary work the Spirit does is to change your desires so that you want Jesus, so that you want to do the will of God, so that the only thing that satisfies you, like food, mm-hmm. is to do the will of God. Yep. And so to pray according to the will of God means to seek that w- that which will make you the most joyful, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, yeah. Um, 
And again, this this is a lot of stuff I'm working through. But like like Hebrews four sixteen, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may that we may receive mercy and find grace in to help in time of need. It, it is this knowledge that God will provide. It is this confidence in the character of God. Jesus says, pray then like this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Getting then on that idea of food. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When you pray those things, God will bring them to bear. Um, and so let's let's return to our main question and summarize. And I can summarize my thoughts and then you can say Chase crazy or you can summarize maybe where you're at with this question because I don't think I have a perfect succinct answer that I've worked through that like if somebody asked me this I could give them like a like a 30 second recap right like a lot of this is me working through what the Bible says still because it's hard why should I pray if God is in control because prayer increases the love of our relationship with him and God's if, if like like we said many times um the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And mm-hmm. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. John Piper, um, our father in heaven, prayer is the communication of that relationship. That's why Jesus, the, the archetypal prayer that Jesus gives begins by addressing God as father. So prayer increases our relationship with God. Why should I pray if God is in control? Because it glorifies God. How does prayer glorify God? Because, because if, if the Holy Spirit is changing our hearts to desire the things of God, to desire God's will, and God's will is that we should pray, and God's will is that we talk to him, and God's will is for relationship, and prayer increases that relationship, then it will make us joyful to pray. And God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied and joyful in him. And so prayer glorifies God because it is a a rejoicing thing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So prayer glorifies God. That's why we should pray. Another one that, that is hard to work through, but why should I pray if God is in control? We affirm God is in control. We also affirm that prayer makes a difference, that prayer is powerful. Why? Um, it's not that you have these superpowers. It's not that you can declare something into existence. It's not that you can declare people to be healed, but the Bible again and again paints the picture that prayer does have a powerful effect on reality Um, by God's power, not our own, not our own. Why should I pray if God is in control? Because it establishes and builds our relationship with him. Why should I pray if God is in control? Because it has real power. Why should I pray if God is in control? Um, Because it glorifies him. And near the beginning of this episode, I said um, that I would come back to the idea that people ask this question because they don't actually enjoy praying because they don't want to pray. The reason I said that, and this is how we're tying it back to that, because prayer is, comes from a place of joy in God and in the things of God. And that's the mark of a true Christian, our joy in God, our love of God. The essence of love is joy. And so if prayer is a struggle, I would just, I would just urge people to consider, do you find joy in God? Do you find joy in prayer? Do you find joy in communicating with your Father in heaven? Um, that, that's what I would say there. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would say, oh man, I mean, you've talked a lot about this whole idea and we've gone a bunch of different It's It's a huge, ways. huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I would say going back to the first John, mm-hmm. that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Mm-hmm. Continue to pray. Mm. I would say continue to pray because as you pray, like you, like we've mentioned many times, you grow your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You grow your relationship. And as you grow your relationship, you get to you get to see God's character, which we've talked about. Yeah. But you also get to see his will. Mm-hmm. It's through reading your Bible and praying that you get to align your will with God. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that everything's actually going to work out perfectly like mm-hmm. how you planned it. No, that's, a, that's actually not true. Things aren't always going to work out how you planned. But as you can continue to pray, mm-hmm. you get to see that God's will is actually that everything will work out in his timing yeah. and everything's going to work out when he planned it in his perfect and just will. Mm-hmm. That's good. And you can find joy, like you can find happiness in that. Yeah. It doesn't, be- need, it doesn't need to work out in your time. Mm-hmm. Because, because you're, I think part of prayer is, is giving it up to God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is, is giving, giving up a lot of control that, that you want to have and saying, take this from me. Absolutely. Yeah. And then maybe last note uh, on the, the theme of Ephesians 6, um, let's pray for our brothers and sisters in the church and around the world. Um, because if God is telling us that our prayers make a difference, that they have power, that they defend and protect and help vanquish the enemy and that, are, that our prayers affect um, unbelievers as they, they hear the gospel, how can we not be a praying church? How can we not be a body of believers in supplication, on our knees, praying joyfully out of joy in God because we know his character, because we love him, because he tells us that when we pray, he will listen. And what is God's will but to protect his church? What is God's will but to bring unrepentant believe, uh, unbelievers to him? That's God's will. So let's pray according to that will. It might not work out the way we see it, but it will work out the way that God best sees fit. Mm -hmm. And so I would just encourage everybody to um, foster the discipline of prayer in your lives because um, man, somebody once said to me, and I don't precisely know how I feel about this, because, but it's made me think a lot. It's quite provocative. He said, um, when we get to heaven, the first thing we're going to feel is regret for not praying as much as we could have. And I was like, whoa, don't totally know what I think about that, but that's that's interesting. And so I'll just leave that as maybe something to echo in your head throughout the day. Um, are you gonna regret not praying as much as you could have when you get to heaven? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, anyways, I think we've reached the end of our episode here. Uh, anything you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else, please follow the show, leave a review, follow us on Instagram at RevolutionPod for more updates and other things. Um, and we will see you guys next Tuesday as always. See ya.